Steve. Hello, Baked and Awake World. It's your long-lost cousin, Palu. I'm I'm here to review a couple products. I've got a a, a cartridge vape cartridge for um, uh, Snow Leopard. Is the strain, I believe, and um, I got it down at uh, Ganja Goddess in Soto District of Seattle. Um, here's the specs on it. Total THC. 81.38 cannabinoids 84.3 um that's the basics of it this is this stuff is it's hardcore uh you know like i i put it on the low setting the vape i have right now that i fucked it up to is the, the ego c-twist and i've got it to the low setting because it's it's fucking strong um but it's effective so you know there's probably folks out there who definitely want to big bang for buck it seems like this is the the way to go if you want to get hit in the head um real hard so i don't know i'm kind of i'm checking it out i'm the, the jury's out it was like it hit me so hard the first time i was a little taken aback but um at the same time i'm like well damn you know if i want to get if i want to get effed up that's where i'm going um so i just took kind of like a micro hit of that just now and i can even just feel it barely hitting it at all but the other one i want to talk about right now this is just going to be like a, a random ass type of thing you know i just bought this at the store this is a cbd fusion distillate cartridge um dj short blueberry i guess it's the thc 45.3 cbd 22.8 um i'm lately i've been interested in the higher cbd level uh, products uh, partly because i know i've in the past had i've just been overwhelmed by you know, really really strong stuff and i like the body high of cbd oriented stuff and i know and also i've got a family member who probably going to be in some extreme pain and i'm just i'm trying to do some research for them um so i'm gonna i'm gonna start this vape and it's a new cartridge so i may need to i got sort of like a little hit off that but i'm gonna try it again pretty mellow got kind of a i can i get a little bit of a taste out of it it's 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 pretty mellow kind of muted uh, i'm going to turn up the voltage on it a little bit this stuff definitely it hits differently from the the other one the snow leopard the snow leopard is just just so obviously a heavy hitter um at a, even at a low temperature um, this stuff is much more mellow just let it settle in i think and pause the recording be back to you guys all right so i've taken another hit of the snow lep or the uh sorry that the uh dj short blueberry the cbd higher cbd content concentrate and um it's good uh it's definitely sort of a it's a really mellow body high talk real quick though about the snow leopard we're going back so the snow leopard is an indica uh, snow leopard from the mysterious breeder Bodhi Seeds. This is from Leafly.com. Snow leopard from the mysterious breeder Bodhi Seeds is one of the more unique seed strains out there, crossing the multi, the dual multinational genetics of tiger melon and snow lotus, both of which have strong haze and Afghani influences, as well as Thai and Mexican origin. The majority of uh, observed phenotypes are indica dominant plants that produce numerous sticky colas and a rich tropical smell with woody undertones known for its quote creeper effect i can attest to that um 
Snow Leopard will eventually leave the user in a tranquil cloud, lost in deep thought and glued to their seats. About right. Uh, it's, yeah, it's definitely in mentally impairing. Uh, it'll surely knock you on your ass if you take a few good hits of it, I think. And then let's go go to the one I just smoked now. The DJ, DJ Short Blueberry. Again, I'm on Leafly.com. They're describing the DJ Short Blueberry. Short Blueberry is a living legend. This is, was, and forever will be the West Coast Blueberry varietal. The strain is sought after and has been spliced into many different hybridized strains. Speed's genetic stem, that is, maybe that's the manufacturer, I don't know. DSB genetic stem from DJ Short's travel through Central America and Southeast Asia, where he gathered robust Landrace genetics that would later be later blossom into some of the most legendary cannabis strains on the planet. The true cut of DSB is harder than it sounds. Do savor it. You are literally igniting a special beautiful sedative effects are second only to the incredible berry flavor of this flower. Just the berry flavor, but it is a few hits of it. It was a little more subtle, you know, I think it's safe to hit this one a few times and it's going to feel really just mellow and green. Um, the flavor of it is just okay. It's not like, especially for something therapeutic, I don't really care if it's moderately good tasting. Speak more to how it tasted. I, did, I want to keep this short, so this is just a little... A review of some products that I got in my area. I've got one of them in White Center at the uh, Star One Recreational, and the other one down in Soto, Ganja Goddess. So that's uh, why I got the, the leopard, the snow leopard. Oh, I'm I am less than sober, you guys. Uh, so let me just say and goodbye to my ramblings. Good night. <laughs> together while auntie leads us in here it's your boy steve and welcome back to the baked and awake podcast episode 52 and the closest thing we're gonna get to a first anniversary celebration type episode yeah delighted to be sitting down and hitting record on this episode for everyone and realizing that we made it through a year and I'm just as excited and loving producing the podcast as much as I was the very first week and I really hope all of you who have been with us for a while are enjoying and uh, looking forward to seeing where we take the show in the coming months and hopefully years who knows um yeah, uh, delighted also to be including a little segment by my good friend Palu Kingston, uh, who reviewed a couple different vaporizer pens for us um, here this episode. So thank you so much for 
that as always Paulu love your contributions appreciate them appreciate you and uh, yeah hope to be sitting in the same room with you talking about how much I appreciate you sometime soon um, alright yeah let's take a quick puff um, I think what I've got here is some Adak OG from Narrows Cannabis down in Tacoma not far from our own garden here in uh, Washington in western Washington um, which, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm not calling it a formal strain of the week, I think ADAC is Trainwreck and AK-47. So, boom. Not bad. Oh, wait, it might be ATF and AK-47. Alaskan Thunderfuck and AK. Yeah. I'll put it in the show notes. Don't worry. Let's puff. Out of my Rasta elephant pipe. a little it's a little bowl packed prime the pump here this morning I'm enjoying some delicious rice krispies treats edibles also or had enjoyed a little earlier from a good friend of mine who shall remain nameless but you know who you are and you're appreciated too I'm appreciating appreciating the heck out of this bowl, and uh, I'm excited to have a fun couple of uh, matters to discuss with you today. Let's flip over to our notes and take a look at what we have to talk about. We are going to get into um, a Light Hempfest retrospective. Not a lot. I'm going to uh, talk about it in, in passing uh, for the most part because there's a full-length conversation uh, discussion coming out if it's not out already from my good friend Matt over at Seshcast um, aka Goldilocks MC Goldilocks at Seshcast uh, he came out from uh, middle America from Ohio to come and uh, spend time with us here in the Seattle zone uh, I, I'm sure he was doing a lot more than just hanging out with me I saw him on Friday and on Sunday of his visit he and his uh, lovely girlfriend Maddie um, came out for Hemp Fest, and we had a great time uh, enjoying the event. And you know, had some just some thoughts about how the event continues to evolve and change. And yes, indeed, it is, um, you know, having a bit of trouble uh, these days in the post like legalization era. Like everybody thinks everything's great now and all solved. So the protest side of Hempfest, I think, is suffering slightly because of it. Um, the you know the activism side of things. Um, and so it was interesting to see and pick up on, you know, that uh, slight urgency there from those folks. Um, but yeah, Matt and I went on uh, into that, you know, a lot more in detail uh, on his pod. And uh, I think that the very best way for us all to enjoy that and to get the most out of that is to look forward to that episode coming out. I'm going to point you at SeshCast in the show notes. And when the episode goes live, I will post about that on social and make sure that everybody knows. And I may even pull down a clip and a snippet and share that out on social on our side as well. Uh, so folks can check that out. And uh, we do have plans also to reach out to the folks at HempFest. Um, and say hello, and uh, you know, I, I want 
I haven't up to this point, and it's shameful. I've never volunteered yet, uh, and I need to uh, for the event. I feel, I feel anyway, I've been, I've been enjoying it for years on and off. I haven't attended every year by any means, but, um, have definitely been attending more recently and recent, uh, more often in recent years, more consistently and, and, uh, always dig the event and look forward to it. Um, it's a great actual celebration of cannabis lifestyles and culture and our liberty as cannabis users. And, um, in particular, uh, an opportunity to um, partake in the daytime in large numbers with a very homogenous, uh, you know, intersectional crowd of people from all around our region and in many cases from outside the region. Folks are traveling for Hempfest, coming into the Pacific Northwest for Hempfest, considering it a highlight of their summers and making their way, you know, up here, down here, out here to be a part of it. Uh, and rightfully so. It's a music festival, of course. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's a part music festival, part um, state fair kind of vibe, minus the rides, you know, minus the uh, gallery of, you know, carnival games and things. I guess I'm saying lots of food trucks and food carts, uh, that kind of uh, experience, which... I'm a big fan of, of course. Who doesn't like a little street food, right? So, uh, yeah. So look for the Seshcast broadcast coming out any day now on Hempfest. And I am just going to say that uh, I had fun like I always do. Went on Friday, uh, brought the family back on Sunday. They had a great time with us. That's a big part of what I love about Hempfest. I talked about it on my episode last year where I spent... Um, you know, a little bit more time on that conversation in terms of how much time we spent down there, etc. Um, but I love that it's a family-friendly event from start to finish. Um, and I think that that's one of its greatest successes. And they should absolutely feel proud of that um, because it, it, it was great. Great time for everybody. So, um, yeah, so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to curtail it on Hempfest uh, for now from, you know, for the moment. Uh because I think we've got it. You know, if you've been out here in the Northwest, you've you've hopefully attended the event. If you're not from the Northwest, um, but you want to, you know, get a sampling of everything the cannabis culture out here has to offer, and you have any opportunity to schedule some of your downtime, your personal time around being out here for something like Hempfest, uh, you know, obviously, once you hit soil in Seattle from SeaTac Airport, you're in, you know, one of the best places in the country for any number of awesome things. If you're a foodie, you've got that covered out here. We've got that covered for you. If you're a outdoorsy person who loves everything that you can pursue out under the sun and skies of the Pacific Northwest, I don't need to enumerate what you can get into up here name it would have a better time naming things you can't do uh up here because that would be a very very short list so um you get where i'm going with this come on out hang out visit with us if i know you and you know me let me know you're coming out love to see you love to take some time like we did with goldilocks and show you what we can we being me and 
my family and friends. So, um, that's that. And that's a rant. <laughs> that's a ramble. That's a ramble. It's a ramble. Let's be real. Um, okay, so, and I guess the ADAC has got me rambling, right? A little bit. Uh, and that's fine. That's what we're doing. Uh, and that's what we do on Baked and Awake. All right? We session. Just like on Seshcast. Just like on a few other shows. We get our heads right. And then we jump in on some stuff, right? Um, before I get to the story that I want to get to, uh, an intro to Hermes Trismegistus, or Hermes Thrice Blessed, philosopher, sage, Egyptian god, teacher of men. Uh, I do want to mention it was just my birthday. I celebrated my 44th birthday, dear God, dating myself so hard right now, and uh, was treated wonderfully by my beautiful family, uh, as they always do. Uh, and I wanted to mention that I got a really cool gizmo that I've already shared on social media. I got my first smart wearable. And, um, you know, being the, you know, half-baked uh, paranoid dipshit that I am, of course, I act as if this in any way changes my already, you know, wide-open sort of, uh, you know, risk-o-meter um, technology profile, all right, as pertains to... You know, referring back to our Terms of Service episode a while back, referring back to many conversations we've had on pervasive mass surveillance and, uh, you know, how our technology, you know, can be argued to be ruling over us. You know, as I sit here, you know, just recovering from a few minutes ago, having responded to my smartwatch prompting me that it was time to get moving because I've been sitting for too long, sitting here getting ready to kick out this podcast today. And... I actually willingly uh, obeyed my watch's polite suggestion that I could do a few trunk twists right here in my office chair uh, to maintain its good perception of my relative activity level for the day as I track my steps and as it in turn continuously monitors my biometrics, my heart rate, right? And my actual movements around. Um, the watch is really fun, uh, being a, uh, you know, slowly decaying flesh bag as I am, I actually have been looking for ways to get my head back in the game of being more active. I twist more throttles than pedal, uh, you know, cranks in anger these days. I lift more 16 ounce, you know, do more 16 ounce curls than push-ups, uh, if you know what I'm saying, so... And, you know, none of that is a good look, right? And none of that adds up to longevity and, and uh, you know, thriving health. So I've uh, been, you know, just trying to ask myself, what am I going to do? How am I going to do it? What am I going to do? How am I going to do it? I got some other stuff planned. I'm not going to get into that bullshit with you all. You guys don't care. What I am saying is, it's actually kind of fun having the watch hit me with a little accountability. Um, and I have found myself doing a number of other things uh, to get more active. Uh, to make my little smartwatch happy. Um, and yeah, so the watch we got, uh, my wife got for me the Samsung Gear S3 Frontier. Um, any, for anybody who cares or is tracking on that, I have like the S9 Plus uh, Galaxy. So I got like the hot rod, big Samsung Galaxy, got off the iPhone for the first time in almost forever since like 
I didn't get an iPhone until like 08 or 09, but I've had one that whole time since then. So, um, and, um, uh, so back on Samsung, that's been a little bit of a learning curve, but overall very pleased with the phone, uh, so far a couple months into it. Um, and, uh, so I think my wife seeing that I was digging the phone, even though she's sad cause I left the iPhone fold and the iOS, uh, fold, um, got me this thing and it had never even occurred to me that I would like a smart wearable of any kind. I've never had a Fitbit or anything. I wasn't a step counter before that, back when, you know, people had little digital ones that they would wear on their hips, little, you know, standalone devices, none of that. Um, you know, never did one of those Nike fits or anything. Um, just, you know, rode bikes a lot and, and ran around and acted a fool. Um, so I was like, huh, smart. Well, what the heck? Smartwatch. Let's fuck with it. Right. Um, I don't know all the features yet. Uh, this is first impressions. Um, what I've got on my wrist is the funnest watch I've ever owned. I'm a little bit of a watch nerd, but not a real one. I don't get into Patek Philippe's and shit like that. Um, I, you know, no tags over here. I, I'm like a Casio Pathfinder class watch nerd. Okay, so to put me exactly where I am. And so this is um, a like evolved version of that kind of thing with one notable caveat being the, a lot of these smartwatches, this one included, it's water resistant, but it's not 100% waterproof. Big thumbs down on my part at that, you know, for that. But I get it. Um, it's got you know, it's like a computer itself on your watch. You can do that. You can make calls. It's your Dick Tracy watch. You can't do like video phone uh, on it or anything. And I haven't found a camera on it yet, but it does have a microphone. It'll launch a call for you. You can do voice to text for texting back with people. Um, I already told you it's tracking my health and, and giving me stats on that. Screen's fucking beautiful. Looks just like a phone screen, just on your wrist size. Um, it's got the altimeter barometer. It's got weather. It's got, you know, apps that you can download and world clock. I understand Samsung's iOS or fucking Samsung's operating system uh, for this thing is like their own standalone. So that uh, has them suffering a little bit in apps that are written exclusively for it in their little app store. Um, but I think that's, you know, slowly getting better. Um and and otherwise though everybody likes the way and and I and I'll include myself on this. I mean you get a little stupid news feed if you want it. You can add it or remove it. You can delete everything including those uh fitness apps and stuff, but you got your calendar on that. It's pretty easy to set like little reminders and alarms um which I do a bit of, not a lot but a bit of. Certainly have to set timers and things. Um here and there. Um one of the coolest things though, and I'll wrap it up here cuz you guys don't give a shit. It's smart watches. The point is is we can't escape this technology. All of us are addicted to it. I'm addicted to it. I'm still using it, but I'm going to sit here and talk paranoid about it all I want to because this is my podcast and this is what we do here. But um doesn't have its own SIM, uh, so it's you know slave to the uh, big Samsung. It's like So think of it as a second screen for your phone with its own set of unique apps that may be available for that second screen. Um, and then some of you know, all of your expected basic communications functionality, reading emails on it, no problem. Even looking at photos that are attachments in the emails on the watch, no problem. More important than that to me, um, not more important, but more fun. More fun is the fact that there are like thousands of watch faces that you can download for this thing. So by getting one watch, I already have like 10 of them downloaded in the thing when you get it. 
I downloaded one or two for free out of the App Store already. There's many, 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 many more, and they're more making them all the time. It's like I got all the watches in the world, right? Because you can make the, the display look like anything. So, uh, and they track different metrics, and you can even build a custom face, which I haven't even fiddled with yet, but I'm going to, and that'll be fun. Uh, right now, the one that I look at all the time has a little world clock. It has my current time, where I am here in Seattle. Then it's tracking those steps for me, my chunky ass, and it's telling me what time sunset is. And I love that. 7.52 p.m. tonight in Seattle, by the way. So um, you can change bands. You They have little protectors and screen protectors for it and stuff. I'm going to probably look into, you know, putting a little baby you know, armor case on it, a la Swatch back in the day, you know, you could put your little body armor on your watch and stuff, um, you know, G-Shock it up a little bit um, because I'm really clumsy that way and I don't want to ruin it. Um, so yeah, first impressions, love it to pieces. Um, Big Brother now has heart rate on me at all times uh, is what I'm basically saying. I'm, I'm sure of that. Uh, and, you know, I guess I can be just as not worried about that as I am about everything else that I need to not worry about because it's no big deal, Steve, right? <laughs> and uh, just enjoy the the really cool feature that, you know, it's packaged in. Uh, that being my little fitness app. Try to get that, that old half rack back down closer to a eight pack, ten. Anyway, you get the idea. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, that's my first impressions on that. I, th I think it's really fun. So uh, I hope everybody gets something half that fun for your birthday when that comes around, whenever that may be. Uh, all right. So I told you guys and gals last week, or two weeks back, somewhere in there, that I've been wanting to get to Hermes, Thrice Blessed. Um, I want to read this sort of introduction that I found. Uh, this is an older piece. I uh, found it on a blog um, from an astrologer. So, you know, this is... I, I mean, I've read the Wikipedia. I've read many, many, many things about... Uh, we can call him Thoth. Thoth, we can call him Hermes, the Martian... Uh, God, the messenger. Uh, we can call him Hermes Trismegistus, as he is known. He was uh, thought to be Quetzalcoatl in South America. Uh, he was known by many names throughout history uh, in different places and thought to be the original teacher of Moses, if I'm not mistaken, the original master to to impart wisdom to Moses and elevate him in his philosophy and his leadership. So, uh, but, uh, so this, this is a, a blog that I really like this person's approach to the story and their way of introducing the concept of Hermes. Uh, Hermes is credited with the Emerald Tablets, tablets of Toth, or Thoth. Uh, it's written 
T-O-T-H, but I believe we say it Toth. Okay. Uh, probably butcher it both ways as we move forward here. Work with me. We'll get better at it together. Um, and uh, so the, the author is Anne Beaversdorf. And uh, we have her blog here. She's uh, We're pointing at her in the show notes. Uh, she wrote this back in 09. Hermes is from the mists of time, so there's no problem with, you know, we haven't had any major breakthroughs on uh, Thoth in the last, uh, you know, few years since 09. Uh, so everything uh, that she appears to know here, you know, gets us pretty a good gestalt on the concept of who he was, what he's all about, what the, um, the hermetic works that he is credited with having left behind uh, really mean. And, uh, you know, to us even to this day. And sort of get us poised to move back out from here to explore the rich realm that is the works that are attributed to him and the many, many analyses of those works that exist. Um, the modern philosophers to this day who look to personalities and texts such as these to shape our understanding of what we even are. So, without further ado. And we were going to probably... Yeah, no, this is, this is, this is the one. We got it. We, we won't, we won't need to break it up. Hermes' seven governors and their relationship to astrological chart interpretation. By, again, Anne Beaversdorf. Okay, it's all right. Yeah, this is astrology. Settle down, smoke some more. It don't matter. You don't have to believe it. Let's just read about it. All right? Sometimes we learn by accident that way. Speaking of smoking, let's smoke just a little bit. Another puff here. Corpus Hermetica, a series of philosophical writings by the mystery-shrouded writer called Hermes Trismegistus, or thrice-blessed. This book has intrigued philosophers and metaphysicians for millennia. <clears throat> Long considered a source of divine wisdom. The Hermetica either contains or predates parts of both the New and Old Testaments of the Bible, but the real source of this material is unknown. The name Hermes is the Greek god who is known as Mercury in the Roman pantheon. Remember the Romans took their gods from the Greeks, okay? 
but that doesn't help us much. More useful is the information that Hermes is another name for the Egyptian priest Thoth, who was so wise and influential that he was made one of the Egyptian gods. Thoth the Egyptian, they're writing it T-H-O-T-H here. Thoth the Egyptian had been entrusted with the secrets of creation, possibly by Atlantean sources. Okay, again, don't worry about it. All right. If you're here, we can tell stories about Atlantis if we want to here. We can we can explore that myth. That's what we do. Certainly a persistent one. Some sources say he was the original teacher of Moses, as Moses grew up in the Pharaonic palaces. However, other sources say the writers of these hermetic works arbitrarily laid claim to this ancient Egyptian or Atlantean birthright in order to lend credibility to their own opinions. Regardless of the original source, most of the material available to us is from documents written or copied between 300 BC and 300 AD. Furthermore, what has reached us today has been arbitrarily censored. The introduction to Walter Scott's translation explains that Scott only translated the, quote, religious or philosophic teachings, and that there is, paraphrased here, another class of documents ascribed to Hermes Trismegistus, namely writings concerning astrology, magic, alchemy, and kindred forms of pseudoscience. But in the character of their contents, these latter differ fundamentally from the former. It is easy to decide at a glance whether a given document is to be assigned to the one class or the other. We are therefore justified in ignoring the masses of rubbish which fall under the other head. Footnote there on that one. The citation, I'm sure. Fortunately, Project Hindsight has begun the work of translating the missing astrological works of Hermes, works which turn out to be quite important indeed. In various lectures, Project Hindsight's Roberts, Schmidt, and Hand, so two men named Robert, two different surnames, have woven together newly discovered astrological material with some that slipped through the censorship of earlier translators. Their thinking inspired me to look more seriously at the philosophy and astrological implications of Hermes' writings. For example, Hermes tells a creation story that is very different from those we usually hear, but it resonates strangely in my, the author's, mind. With Schmidt and Hand pointing the way, I began to realize that Hermes' story speaks profoundly to astrologers, telling us something about how we got our personalities and why First Man, capital First Capital Man, became trapped on Earth. Hermes' creation story goes like this. In parentheses, the stories from Scott's Hermetica but I have paraphrased it into contemporary English. So, 
Scott says a translation. Apparently, it's antiquated as well. Um, this I found really interesting and cool. This this Hermes creation myth that I don't think I've heard yet from at least written out this way, um, like synopsized in this way. I really like it. I think I've heard some version of this uh, with a lot more flowery language. Um, but this is what I'm talking about. This is the fun stuff. First, God created mind, the maker. And mind, the maker, created the planets. The planets were called governors, and they were administrators of all destiny. Then, God created in his own image, first man. Now, first man saw the planets, the creation of his brother, and wished to become a creator himself. And God granted his wish. So, first man decided to travel through the spheres of the planets, starting by breaking through the orbit of Saturn. Saturn, the outermost limit of the hermetic planetary spheres, also represents the entrance of spirit into matter. Passing through the spheres of all the planets, first man engaged their interest, and each planet gave to first man a portion of its own nature, thereby ensuring their participation in creation and in controlling the destiny of first man. At last, first man broke through the final boundary of the moon and beheld nature. Moon represents the boundary between conscious and unconscious, as well as instinctual, habitual nature, dreams, and emotions. The moon is considered by many esoteric traditions a major stumbling block to reaching the Godhead. Enlightenment, right? Nature, seeing for the first time the form of God in the body of first man, fell in love with first man and reflected his form on the waters and in shadows on the land. And first man, seeing the form of God reflected to him by nature and thinking it was God, fell in love with nature and wished to dwell with her. And the two intermingled and became one. And first man and nature, entering matter devoid of reason, became creators, giving birth to the race of men who, living under the orbits of the planets, were thereafter subject to the forces of destiny. On Earth, humankind is subject to the delusions of first man and in nature. Being controlled by planetary destinies, humans believe these natures are their own and have become trapped by them. 
But it is possible, after many trials, to become free again from the destinies administered by the planets. Hermes writes that, at the death of the corporeal form, it is possible to rise back again through the spheres of the planets, divesting oneself of each planetary nature. The hermetic description of traits to be given back to the planets, Sun through Saturn, reads like a catalog of the seven deadly sins. But after giving up these character traits, man enters the sphere of the fixed stars and can be met by those like himself, ascending to the sphere of God and entering into God. Pretty cool there. I mean, um, the planets, of course, are represented in the zodiac, right? So, uh, and in the astrological sense, planets include other celestial bodies like moons and stars. The, they they count as planets. So, um, yeah, fun stuff. Okay, so they, uh, the author, from their perspective, <clears throat> as an astrologer, obviously, is, is, you know, interpreting this from, from this, with this pair of lenses. This story of Hermes suggested an immediate corollary. As each of us is born on Earth, we too become attached to nature and are imprinted with the natures of the planets slash gods we know. Like first man, each of us is unable to return to God without transcending the planetary natures, rising back through the planetary spheres. Knowing this, it seems logical that we choose our birth times, again, astrologer lenses on, <laughs> over multiple lifetimes, so as to place these planetary natures in our horoscopes, in many different ways. Life after life, we try them out in different parts of our charts until we learn all the little tricks they have in store that bind us to the earth and our physical bodies and prevent us from returning to God. Our hope is to gain enough XP. <laughs> Just kidding, that's me experience that we can truly identify these planetary natures in all their manifestations and recognize them as not self not our true nature in this way we will be able to shed them as we ascend back through the spheres of the planets on our return to God In relating this creation story to chart interpretation, one detail becomes immediately important. The planetary natures revealed in the birth chart are not the true self of the chart owner. I like this. They're no more than 
pieces of the governors, the planets, remember, egos, superimposed on first man, and passed down to humans as descendants of first man and nature. So I'm not sure. I think first man is Adam, not God per se. Uh, or maybe it is God who then created man in their image, his and nature's image, perhaps. His, their, their and nature's image. I really don't think we can ascribe, you know, a parochial human <laughs> gender role on first man here, first being First human. Anyway. When we start looking at a chart from this perspective, first man and nature's perspective, two things happen. On a practical level, the astrologer can now introduce a little distance between the emotions of the client and some of the urgent issues which may be present. That, you know, oh, this person's a Scorpio, this, this person's that. Born, you know, Mercury retrograde, whatever. Um, so, on a practical level, the astrologer can now introduce a little distance between the emotions, right? Hermes referred to only seven planets. We use at least nine. Telescopes are better, right? Today, our astrological understanding is also enriched by using the symbolism of planetary mythology. This story provides a very useful tool for counseling. By talking about the planetary natures as little pieces of egos of these ancient and very egotistical planetary gods, and by recognizing that everyone has every one of these planets somewhere in their horoscope, it brings the client into the community of humanity. The experience of looking at the individual's horoscope becomes an experience of joining together with all humanity in the shared experience of human life, while still providing a paradigm for learning more about what makes this single life unique. The second thing that happens is even more subtle. By learning that there are parts of our personality that are not under our control, because we've, we have introduced a little distance between what we've defined as planetary ego issues and our true self, quote-unquote, we can begin to explore what it is about us that makes us more than our ego-centered personality. Observe how we react in such absolutely predictable fashions when certain planetary ego buttons are pushed. Now there's a you know, joke here that must be an inside astrology joke, which is just try moving furniture in the home of a Pluto in the fourth house person. Fourth house must be a prominent place in that person's, you know, chart and picture, right? When we see how these parts of our egos are, quote, on automatic, we have to wonder who's home here. And when we can take our ego natures a little less seriously, we come a little closer to our godlike nature, little g. 
so there's a little bit of Buddha talk in here and they go on to really break down each of the planets in this essay and uh, so that's why I said we didn't need to break it up because I'm, I'm not actually going to read all the rest of this essay and the specifics of of interpreting Hermes' uh, characterizations of each of the planets and this dichotomy that's laid out here for you right now. You get the gist. There is a fairly informative Hermes Wikipedia page uh, as well, and I will, of course, include that in our show notes too today. And this was just an intro. I'm toying with the idea of reading excerpts from the Emerald Tablets, Hermes' uh, most intact sort of work that we have, and they're a portion, not even... They're they're written, like, by Hermes or by a descendant of Hermes, encapsulated from and understood to be part of the Corpus Hermetica. But you see, what's not really clear from that story that we just spent time reading is that that Corpus itself is not really believed to be extant. I don't think there is... I don't think those documents have survived. Uh, If they have, they must be heavily controlled and hidden away. What we have is documents and texts that are, in many cases, no more than inspired by them and in no way to be interpreted as direct transcriptions of any part of the Corpus Hermetica. Uh, Although the Emerald Tablets are thought to be potentially, maybe, authentic, and even they don't claim to be the Corpus Hermetica. They're a nth part of it. So I guess where I'm going with that is most of Hermes' teachings are lost to time as of now, as far as we know. So that makes it an enduring and fascinating mystery Um on the surface, seemingly potentially a bummer because, like, how could you go very far in that investigation, personally? But trust me when I say you can. So, uh, there's a lot out there. I want to come back around on the tablets themselves and, you know, consider doing, you know, long form, some of them. As specials, maybe. Uh, special episodes kind of concept. So, uh, if you like the topic of Hermes Trismegistus, check out this document here from Stariel.com and Ann Beaversdorf. She does have quite a bit more here in, in the respective houses of the planets. Okay? Um, and then, you know, check that Wikipedia out. Get on YouTube, search that up there, because there's, God, a million docs on YouTube about Hermes. 
and they're a lot of them are really fun um and, you know it's it's out, as out there as you can go so i like it a lot i mean i think last episode we were talking about emergence theory so this isn't you know not different um okay so before i let keyboard cat drum me out uh i want to mention uh i kind of i if you ever wanted to ask yourself i wonder how bad steve raps if he ever tried to rap when he never rapped before you want to hear it you go to small town mentality podcast right now this week and check out their latest episode i posted it on social this morning on my instagram at baked and awake um and uh, go on over and uh, check them out. They'll be in the show notes. And they ran my promo that I wrapped for them at the top of their show. And I love them for it. Um, really funny podcast. Social commentary from uh, three, as far as I can tell, uh, really straight shooting dudes. Um, and uh, from fucking Rust Belt, Bible Belt, America. And But they're really having fun and poking fun at what we think it even means to be those folks from that part of the country. So here I am out here on the left coast, uh, and we're listening. We're listening, boys. So check them out. Have some fun uh, at my expense, and uh, I don't even mind. I love it. I appreciate it. You guys should do it. Um, yeah, I guess, and uh, got a few more envelopes going out this week with stickers okay so yeah easy things that you could do get stickers from me i have a bunch of really wonderful stickers from my friend travis over at crimson graphics a local buddy of mine um who made a bunch of bacon awake logo stickers for me that are really dope and each one's different um i have like four or five different designs and uh we're about to do another run of our Nazi hunter permit stickers. Um, that's one that I'm going to make available not only as a free giveaway in sticker packs ongoing as soon as I get that next batch of them, but I am thinking of throwing those up uh, for sale on like not the T public, but probably through my Instagram somewhere along the lines and tie um, a chunk of any proceeds that come from the Nazi hunter uh, permit stickers to some different worthy organizations that sort of are uh the opposite of uh that and uh that are you know to be determined so that's why i'm being a little bit circumspect about uh naming or characterizing what nonprofits we're gonna go after and support with the nazi hunter permit sticker proceeds but um that's a that's a thought and an idea that's uh happening uh the stickers are definitely happening um because i'm down to my last couple of those but review the show on itunes it's easy and I need them. Please. <laughs> uh, it's been a minute since I've had a new review. Uh, I've asked for them a couple times uh, in recent episodes. And I think I got one new review recently. So thank you to that lovely friend who ever wrote that for us. I appreciate it. I'll get you a real shout out next episode. Um, hopefully with maybe one or two more. Um, but if you review the show and then you DM me and tell me you did it, I don't need a screenshot. Just tell me you did it. I'll go find the review. You know I'm going to go read the review. So, um, you know, just DM me and tell me you reviewed the show, even if you reviewed it a long time ago, and bust my balls, and I'll send you stickers too. Um, and I've definitely been sending those out to friends, and I try to draw a nice little picture on everybody's envelope uh, before I do. You can see some of those envelopes on Instagram, so check out my Instagram once again, at Baked and Awake. Uh, I love emails. Email me at talktous at bakedandawake.com. Um, 
I want to thank my friend Starhead Boy, local uh, Seattle artist, who you guys should all follow on Instagram. Uh, link will be in the show notes to Starhead Boy, great local artist. I drew one of his uh, characters for him and uh, mailed it over to him, and he sent me right back uh, a whole bunch of stickers. Great, great, awesome, rad assortment of his adorable characters. Uh, so that was rad. Um, I love that kind of thing. Um, so anybody who wants to send me stickers or goodies, uh, let me know. I'll get at you. I'll get you my address right away. Um, you know, and then I'll rep your brand and rep your shit on the show just because you're, you obviously are listening and I love that. Um, speaking of which love my uh, friends over at top tree digital, uh, my friends on Instagram, follow them on Instagram for sure. For some of the funniest cannabis related memes on the whole, I whole of IG, I promise you that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't exactly know. I haven't narrowed down exactly what we're going to talk about next week on the show. I have a couple of good ideas, uh, and, you know, in my normal hopper, um, I'm tracking on a couple of news stories that I could have included this week, but that I decided to just let slide, uh, cause I wanted to have some fun in this area, namely the, the Trismegistus, uh, realm. Um, so uh, you know, we'll figure it out. We'll talk about it online this coming week. Um, all right. Last big news is not big news. It's just a reminder in a sense to actual listeners who have been listening. I love you guys. I love the support. I love the listens and the downloads. Please share the show for me everywhere you can. And, uh, if any of you have ever considered it and thought about it, we do have the Patreon page. I've had it up for a few months. I try not to shill for it very often. I would love to get a small contingent of patrons in, even at just the $1 a month level, uh, to just help me have uh, quiet back-channel conversations with, brainstorming sessions with, people who I can send out polls to and get responses. Yeah, I'm asking you to pay me a dollar a month to have me ask you questions and have you help me make... I know, it's fucked up, but it... (laughs) It, I promise you I'll do such good work for you. I really will, and I'll do more and spend more time on the show than I ever have. I do have a couple of patrons, and Dave, Derek, you know who you are. I love you both. Um, you guys are amazing. And um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I would love the uh, prospect of building a small community there that for less than the price of buying me you know, a drink at a bar you know, if we were drinking a whiskey or something, I guess it's a couple of beers. You know, you could be a $1 a month patron for a whole year. God, put a huge smile on my face. Definitely get shouted out on the show. Definitely get hollered at on uh, Instagram and uh, everywhere else on social where I'm hanging out. Usually mostly Instagram, a little bit of Facebook, a little bit of Twitter. Um, but I love you guys. I love everybody's uh interactions that we've had so far it really has made it so so easy to keep doing this um and uh yeah they don't exactly make themselves though and so yeah you know we all all of us podcasters spend money keeping our shows going who cares that's my problem not yours i'm not asking for your dollar a month because i'm expecting this podcast to feed the family right now at all um if that ever becomes a reality boy that would be crazy i don't even know what kind of you know, dimension we'd be in there. Um, what, what layer of the simulation we'd be in there, but it would be fun. I'd fuck with that. Um, but we're not there. I'm just looking for that little bit of love to show us we're going in the right direction to help us feel good about keeping putting our own resources into this thing and elevating it. 
I promise you, elevating it. So there's a link to the Patreon in the show notes. It's like patreon.com slash baked in awake or something like that. So, um, yeah, it should be easy to find. Yeah, yeah. Patreon.com baked in awake show forward slash baked in awake show. So I butchered that up real good. All right, so that's the last of that pitch that you'll hear for a minute. I'll probably do it online on Insta here and there, but keep it low on the episodes and keep it out of everybody's faces because we're not about putting the shows themselves behind a paywall or anything like that, not remotely. Um, I'm not leaving out the prospect of creating bonus content of any kind that ever just goes to the patrons, Um, but that's not the prime motivator here, right? All right. All righty. That is more than enough of that, right? Thank you, as always, to Auntie Luode for his amazing background sounds. Uh, thank you, as always, to my newest and latest and greatest awesome contributor, Mr. Animal Tremor from Moscow, Russia, uh, with the hardstyle drum and bass sounds that you've been hearing popping up here and there. Uh, look forward to hopefully even more sounds from Animal Tremor in the future. Uh, like always, though, I hope you guys are looking forward to, gosh, a beautiful and mellow autumn and the return to routine. Congratulations to my son who started his first day of first grade today. Big Ken. New haircut yesterday, looking like a new man. Going into school today. Almost shed a tear. I loved it, buddy. All right, everybody. Yeah, back to school. Don't be a fool. This tool's going to get out of here. You try to make sure you smoke some indica and do shit anyway. We'll see you real soon. <laughs>